Um, but I want to welcome you to Crossroads, welcome you to church, and I just want to remind you the church is not a building, it's a gathering. It's a group of people that come together in Jesus' name to love on one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, and to humbly serve one another uh, and their neighbors. So I also want to uh, wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. I want to wish a first happy Mother's Day to Candace in Italy. I want to wish my own mom, Debbie Zulam, a happy Mother's Day. Thank you for all the warm meals and all the clean laundry and all the unconditional love. I am forever grateful, and I pray your day is blessed. And I want to thank all of you that have uh, been loving on my wife, Christy, who, um, uh, who lost her mom on April 20th, and so this is her first uh, Mother's Day without her mom. And uh, I uh, want to say I love you, babe, and uh, I want to pray for my wife and her seven siblings, but I want to pray for all of us this morning that God would really speak something clear to each one of us, whether you've uh, been going to church your whole life or you're brand new to it. But I want to pray that God would speak to us clearly, that we would understand what he's trying to say to us, and that we would know how to walk it out in our daily lives. So would you please join me as we uh, pray together? Lord, I just want to thank you for this uh, Sunday morning that we have. Bless all the moms out there. Bless those who are hoping to be a mom someday. And uh, uh, Lord, I, I just thank you uh, for my wife. Please bless her and her siblings as they miss uh, their mother on this day. And, and uh, God, I just thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather online to uh, learn together, to grow together, um, to, to become more like Jesus. Um, so Lord, would you just have your way in our hearts and lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've never met me, if I've never had the pleasure of shaking your hand or giving you a hug or anything like that, my name's Adam, and uh, my high school years were in the 1990s, and uh, in the 90s, due to uh, alternative and, and the grunge scene, flannel shirts became cool to wear even if you weren't a lumberjack, and so that was really awesome. Uh, but also, at the very start of the 90s decade, a new uh, clothing brand came out called No Fear. I never owned anything from No Fear because I could never really buy into the fact that you could have no fear because I got lots of fear. I'll just give you my top three. I'm afraid of spiders, I'm afraid of mayonnaise, and I'm afraid of mayonnaise eating spiders, which I'm sure exists somewhere in the Amazon. Um, so here's what I'd like you to do. If you have your phones out, uh, I want you to chat about something that is ridiculous that you're afraid of. So what is it? I know if it's Pastor Nate, our student ministry pastor, it's dolphins and minions, and I don't get either one of that because they're both adorable. Uh, but what is it for you? Put it in your chat. What is it that something ridiculous that you are uh, afraid of, and, uh, and, and, and we can talk about that. I see on uh, Clay said my facial hair is looking good, uh, so I'll take that, Clay. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, um, I'm just letting myself go, people. So... Uh, someone just shouted from the audience, they're afraid of my beard. So that's their irrational fear. Uh, so here's, here's what I want to do. I want to tell you about the, uh, the, the third most fearful I've ever been in my entire life. Now, the, my most fearful experience I ever had is way too long of a story to tell here, and I usually wait till like summer camp to like 11 o'clock to go from cabin to cabin and tell it because then the kids don't sleep that night. But it kind of plays out like a scene from Ghostbusters. Uh, the second most I've ever been scared was when my dad, at the age of six years old, took me to the theaters to see Poltergeist. 
which made me, for the next two weeks, sneak into my older sister's room and sleep with her in her bed so I wouldn't have to be alone, and then she eventually kicked me out when I turned 15. Now, the third most scared I've ever been is, is what I'm going to tell you. I, I was riding shotgun in my friend's car, and we were heading to the, to the river uh, to go rope, rope swinging into it. And on the way, uh, my buddy Tony, who was driving, shouts out of his uh, window something to a car that we were passing. I don't even know what he said, but he just kind of mouthed off something silly. Neither of us thought anything like it, and we just kept driving down the road, and about five minutes later, we came to a stoplight, and we're out in the foothills, kind of away from anything real busy, and, uh, and as we pulled up to the stoplight, that car that he mouthed off to pulled up on my side at the stoplight next to us, and there was a dude driving the car, and there was a girl sitting in the passenger seat, and he looked at me, and he said, what did you say, boy? And at first, I didn't know what he was talking about, because one, I didn't say anything, and that was like five minutes ago that my friend even said anything, and I had a very short memory. And so I was like, what? And he goes, what'd you say, boy? And the back window, which was tinted, came down about six inches, and a double-barrel shotgun came out of the back seat. And we were only a few feet apart because we were at the stoplight together, and he's aiming it at my head, and he said, what did you say, boy? And I just looked him in the eye and said, don't you, do no, I was like, I was like, I didn't say anything. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get killed. And if he doesn't kill me, I'm going to kill my friend Tony for whatever he said to these people. And I just sat there and stared at the end of this uh, shotgun. And then the light turned green and the window rolled up, and they just drove away. So the good news is I lived. I made it. I'm here. You should have seen that coming. It ends well. Uh, but that literally is one of the most uh, scary events I've ever uh, encountered in my entire life. And here's, here's what I've learned about fear. Fear is such a powerful force. Fear unlike almost anything else, can totally overwhelm you or incapacitate you. It can, like, take all your rational thinking and just <laughs> throw it in the trash, right? I mean, fear just has a way to grip us, almost like, unlike anything else. It can leave us feeling just helpless and powerless. Some people can accidentally, unintentionally build their entire life upon fear. I mean, you can parent out of fear, you can shop out of fear. I mean, some people during COVID-19 have began amassing and hoarding irresponsible amounts of toilet paper and peanut butter. I mean, their fear drove them so much, it literally drove them to the supermarket over and over and over again. I mean, fear just has a way of, almost like anything else, of tempting us and kind of manipulating us to choose me over we. But here's something I find very fascinating about Fear. fear obviously can rob us of joy and rob us of life, but here's what I find so fascinating about fear. Fear can actually save your life. <laughs> have you ever heard of fight or flight syndrome? There have been many fights I have avoided by flighting and just getting out of there, and it helped save my life. I mean, I've been in a car chase. I've had the police, also known as my dad's coworkers, trying to find me. Uh, I, I mean, I once had a group of nuns chasing me, and I'm not even Catholic. That's a really true, funny story. Uh, but, I, I mean, I just, fear can actually save your 
life. So today, I want to have kind of a different conversation about fear. I want to have a conversation about the other side or another side of fear. I want to talk to you about a fear that is unlike any of our most common fears. I want to have a conversation about a kind of fear that is actually not harmful, but is helpful. I want to have a conversation with you about a fear that can actually help you overcome your other fears. And this fear that I want to talk with you about is potentially going to sound incredibly counterintuitive and maybe even make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I want to assure you that it is not wrong to have this fear. In fact, this fear leads to wisdom and the wise pursue it. So I want to welcome all of you to our brand new series, Be Wise. And whether you've been a Christian all your life, whether you're new to church, whether you're just curious about God, I think for the next few weeks, if you, if you come back, you're going to find this series to be incredibly helpful and incredibly practical. This BY series is all about a book in the Bible we call Proverbs, and Proverbs is simply a collection of sayings, a collection of observations, a collection of principles that were written down and were thought of by one of the wisest kings who have ever lived, a man named Solomon, who was the son of King David. So Proverbs reads as like a helpful guide on how to interact and how to act in God's world. And here's, what, here's a great way to uh, interpret the book of Proverbs. Proverbs isn't so much about promises. Proverbs is about principles and probabilities. So Proverbs is about if you do this, it is likely to go like that. So it deals with probabilities, either good or or bad. So Proverbs kind of reads like this. Proverbs is like a wise father or or a wise mother who gets their child and, and puts him or her on their lap and then just dispenses to them their knowledge, their wisdom, in the hopes that they will listen and respond and obey. So here's the last thing I want to tell you about wisdom, and this I know you already know. Wisdom has very little to do with someone's understanding. Wisdom has very little to do with someone's SAT scores or their intelligent quotient. Wisdom is simply rightly applied knowledge. And Proverbs teaches us, and our own life experiences remind us that you can be intelligent and still make incredibly unwise decisions that harms your life or harms someone else's life. That you can have a surplus of intelligence and have a shocking deficit in wisdom. And the opposite is true as well. You can be incredibly simple-minded, yet be deeply wise and profound. So if Proverbs teaches us anything, it's what Solomon encourages in this way. He says this, do yourself a favor. (laughs) Do yourself a favor. You ever said that to someone? Do yourself a favor. And then you give them advice. This is what Solomon in Proverbs is doing for us. He's saying, Adam, do yourself a favor and love wisdom. Learn all you can and then watch your life prosper. I love that. Love wisdom. Learn all you can. Watch your life prosper. I want to sign myself up for watching my life prosper. I wish I could just sign us all up for watching all of our lives prosper, but that is not a decision anyone can make for you. You have to make it for yourself. And strangely enough, 
wisdom that can help your life flourish begins by choosing to fear. And so that's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about. And I want to start off by reading to you a proverb in a number of different versions. In fact, three different versions. And the whole point, if you're not sure what versions are, the whole point of versions are to basically say the same thing in a different way so we can all understand the essence and the heart of it regardless of what, what culture we come from or what continent we come from. Versions simply help us understand the essence of something. So let me ask you this. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to be wiser? Then listen to this proverb. Proverbs 1.7 in the NIV says it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. The fear of the Lord. I know this is so counterintuitive. What? The, but you get wisdom begins where? The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs is constantly comparing and contrasting the foolish with the wise. And Proverbs teaches us that there is a good kind of fear that leads to good and better decision-making. Proverbs says, if you want to be wise, then don't despise God's instruction. Proverbs teaches us and reminds us that we all have been given free will by God to choose what we want to do or don't want to do, what we will listen to or what we won't listen to, what we will choose to obey or what we will choose to ignore, but what God doesn't give us is the free will to determine the consequences of those decisions. So Proverbs says, choose wisely, choose wisely, and then you can watch your life flourish. That if you want to be wise, don't despise God's instruction. This same verse in the Living, uh, the Living Bible says it this way. How does a man become wise? I'm sure that you would love to have more wisdom in your life. And the Bible answers the question, how does one become wise? The first step is to trust and reverence the Lord. But to trust God and to revere God is to fear God. That's the definition of fear. It's to feel deep respect and admiration for. See, not all religious people trust and revere God, as, or as Solomon calls it, fear the Lord. For many religious people, God is simply an adornment. He's, he's like a cross necklace around their neck, around their bicep. For many religious people, God is nothing more than an addition to their life. He is no more an authority or a priority in their life than anything or anyone else. For many religious people, God is just more or less just a good idea alongside other equal or good ideas. For many religious people, God is nothing more than a trinket, a good luck charm, and a get-out-of-jail-free card. God is someone you seek when you are in need of something or when you are facing hardship. And for many religious people... God is someone they've just created in their own mind. They have fashioned God into their own likeness. Instead of them becoming more like God, they have God become more like them. So their God always votes like them. Their God always agrees with them. Uh, their God loves everything they love. Their God hates everything they, ha they hate. Their God believes everything they believe. 
and their God forgives all their mistakes but holds everyone else accountable for theirs. In essence, they've created a God that is just really a reflection of themselves in the mirror. But what the wise don't do that. The wise stand in awe of God. The wise stand in submission to God. The wise recognize that God knows what's best for them. For the wise, God is someone who not only dispenses to them grace, but truth, correction, and direction. To the wise, God is nothing more than everything. The message version says it this way, Proverbs 1.7, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. I mean, nobody loves a know-it-all. And the reason why none of us love a know-it-all is because we know they don't know it all. But they sure do sound like they do on social media or around the dinner table, and I think we are all guilty of that at times, depending on what the subject is. And I know the thought of bowing down to God can prick our pride or our sense of autonomy or independence. But here's what we need to know. We're all bowing down to something. We're all worshipers, whether we ever enter a sacred building to sing songs. Because worship isn't about singing songs in a sacred building. Worship is about where one's affection where one's allegiance and where one's confidence lies. And for many people, those three things lie with, for God alone, and for others, it lies in themselves, or it lies with their political party, or with their president, or where, with their economy, or with their favorite author, or artist, or podcaster. It could even be with their favorite pastor. But the wise reserve their reverence for God alone. And they don't mind trusting in Jesus with their entire life because they have come to know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. To fear God is to trust and revere God. And I find it interesting what Proverbs teaches us where wisdom doesn't first begin. I find that so fascinating that it doesn't begin first by going to church or reading the Bible or praying or serving or being good or reading a book, that the beginning of wisdom starts with fearing the Lord by trusting and revering him and standing in awe of him. In the book of Job, it is written this way, Job 28, and this is what he says to all mankind, this is God, look, to fear the Lord is true wisdom. To fear the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Jesus would say it this way. Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul. Your core being save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body, and soul in his hands. And the reason why Jesus would ask us to do this is because God's hands are good hands. They're protective hands. They're directive hands. They're merciful and kind hands. They are faithful and true hands. So he said, you don't need to fear the bullies. That'll just paralyze you. Fear the Lord. Because he's for you. He's with you. He's, he's here for you. 
and he hears your heart, and he hears your prayers. Everyone from Job to Jesus is telling us the same thing. A wise person stands in awe of God and acknowledges his lordship in their life. That a wise person stands in awe of God and acknowledges his lordship in their life. They realize he's not just a trinket. He's not just a good idea. He's just not an adornment that we wear. He's not just a brand. He's not merely an addition to your life. He is your life. That is what the wise have come to understand. Let me explain it this way. And this really helped me, so I hope it helps you. If Bill Gates came over to your house today, how many of you would spend an hour giving him tips on how to start a successful business? Or what about this, if you like sports? If Steph Curry came into your backyard with a basketball, how many of you would demand he give up the rocks so you can show him how to shoot three-pointers? If Lauren Daigle came over to your house for karaoke night, how many of you would like go first and hog the mic all night? Right? Wouldn't you stand in awe to some degree? Wouldn't you defer to them in some way? Wouldn't you put on your listening ears and learn all that you could? And if someone didn't do that, wouldn't we all kind of look at them like, man, you're, you're a little bit selfish. You're a little bit arrogant. You might even say you're a little bit foolish. And this is what Proverbs is trying to communicate to me and to you. If we would stand in awe of a man or a woman, if we would defer or prefer a man or a woman over ourselves, if we would sit in awe and wonder over a talented individual, how could we not do that for our creator who made all of those individuals? The fear of the Lord is unlike all of our other fears. Our other fears, they, live, leave, leave, uh, they just leave us worried. They leave us stressed. They leave us confused. They leave us with headaches. The fear of the Lord is not like that. The fear of the Lord is not paralyzing liberating. The fear of the Lord is the proper, proper reverence that a creature bestows to their creator, to their savior, to their healer, to their helper. To fear the Lord is to acknowledge that God is wonderful and then stand in awe of him. To fear the Lord is to acknowledge we are the creature and he is the creator. We are the clay and he is the potter. We are the child, and he is the parent. We are the disciples, and he is our rabbi. He's our teacher. That there is a God, and I am not him. The fear of the Lord is, is, is akin to the healthy respect and obedience a child would give to their wiser, older parent. And the fear of the Lord is opposite of the fear of man. Solomon addressed this as well in the book of Proverbs. He says this, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. Some of us fear man more than we fear God. Some of us care more about what others think than what God thinks. Some of us are people pleasers more than we're God pleasers. Some of us respect and revere our employers or our favorite pop artists more than our creator. 
So Proverbs offers us an alternative to fearing man, and it is fearing the Lord, because he is for you and he is with you. He loves you and he likes you. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a wise person stands in awe of God and acknowledges his lordship over their life. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. This guy has amazing friends. I have friends like this. It's just amazing. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. This was a big deal. Because everyone went, no one can forgive sins but God. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, that's exactly what they were thinking. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow, speaking of Jesus, who speaks blasphemy? That's a big word. You don't blasphemy God, right? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of him, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. And I just love, I just love how this narrative ends. That The man that was paralyzed and was healed just went away with gratefulness. But everyone that witnessed this was amazed and gave praise to God because the wise are amazed and give praise to God. The wise are filled with awe and wonder for their God who loves them and created them. So let's get super practical. What's an area of your life where you struggle to allow God to have his say and be Lord of? We all have these areas where we're like, God, I don't mind you kind of having a say over here, but I'm uncomfortable when you speak into this, these areas of my life, when I really want to do this, and I know you might not want me to do that, and I know my parents don't want me either, but uh, I'm not even going to ask you because I probably already know the answer. What are those areas of your life, there may be more than one. This is where I pray God will just speak that to you because I don't know what it can be for you. But what are those areas of your life where you struggle to make God Lord? That you struggle to stand in awe and just let him have his way? Where you struggle to submit to him? Where you struggle and you just go it alone? What area of your life have you just lost your awe of God? Is it with your finances? Is it with your parenting? Is it with your future? Is it with a decision coming up? that you, you need to make soon, and you want to make a wise decision? Is it with your single years, just trusting in God for, the, for that? Is it with some bad habits or secret sins that you're just struggling with, and you're going at it alone, trying to figure it out? Is it with your time? You're kind of like, God, this is my time. Is it, maybe you're here today, and you're not even a follower of Jesus. 
It could be your whole life that you've never submitted to him. It's not just one area. It's you. It's all of you. I invite you, I want to encourage you to surrender those areas to him. To stand in awe and just go, God, I want you to be Lord of this area of my life. God, I really struggle to let you have a lot of say in these areas because I know what you might say. And that's where we just have to go back, that fearing the Lord means revering and trusting in him. Not cowering away in fear, but pressing in and going, I'm going to trust you with this. And when we trust him and when we revere him and respect him in those areas, that is to fear the Lord. And it leaves you better off. It doesn't leave you worse off like your other fears. In fact, some of the fears we have is because we're not revering God in any of these areas. It gives us more fear. I'm not telling you. Proverbs is reminding us, is telling us, if you begin to fear the Lord by revering him, by trusting in him, by placing your confidence in him, he, that kind of fear can actually dispel all your other fears that prevent you from sleeping that night. So what is it that you need to make him Lord of your life? If it is literally your life, you've never given your life over to God, I just want you to talk to God. He hears you. And you may go, I don't know how to talk to God. Just talk. Just say to him, God, I have never given you my life. I've never surrendered my life. I've never submitted to you, and I want to do that today. Just tell him in your own words, say, God, I submit my life to you. I want to walk with you. I want, I want to make you Lord over my life. I want to place my life in your good hand. That's you. If you've never done that, do that right now. In fact, our, our teams online are going to share a link with you where you can let us know if that's the decision that you made here today. And the only reason why I would ask you to do to let us know is because we want to walk with you. We want to encourage you. We want to cheer you on. We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray over you or over your family and over the things that are causing you fear. So if that's you, let us know that you made that decision to surrender and submit your whole life to God today because we want to love you and love on you, and we want to walk with you. So please let us know. And if you already walk with God, what is that thing? Maybe you can even share that if, if you feel comfortable sharing in the chat room. God, I need, to, I need to make you Lord over this area of my life. Practice being transparent. Practice being authentic. Our, our platforms are a great way, a safe way to do that. Share it. Let them pray for you. Let them love on you. What God is trying to teach us all throughout the book of Proverbs is that what the alphabet is to reading, what, the, what uh, the, the fundamentals are to athletics, and what notes are to reading music, is what fear is to attaining wisdom. So do yourself a favor. Love wisdom. Learn all you can. And watch your life flourish. Do yourself a favor. Come back next week and the week after that. Learn all you can. Gain wisdom and watch your life flourish. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for all my friends online. God, would you just bless them? Would you help them with the fear that they have? God, would you reveal to them what it looks like for them to revere you, to trust you? Would you reveal to them, would you make it known to them in a way that only you can, and you do it so kindly and so gently, would you just 
show them the areas of their life where they have not let you be Lord of. They've held on to that. They've gone it alone in that area. Would you give them the strength and the courage to surrender those areas to you and make you Lord of their whole life? God, if there's anyone here listening who's never made you Lord of their life, pray with your loving kindness you would draw them to you. You would rescue them. You'd give them your Holy Spirit. You would speak to them about the good things you have in store for them. God, I love you, and I thank you. I reverence you, Lord Jesus. I stand in awe of you. You are wonderful, and I stand in wonder of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friends. Have a fantastic Sunday.